0: Coming up on this week's episode, our Oscar preview. We also offer our thoughts and commentary on the trial of Derek Chauvin. And it's time to visit DC. We've got a list of the do's and the don'ts. This is Ward and Webster. Hey, Bianca, how you doing this week? Fair to partly cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> it is gloomy outside today after a wonderful week. Um, it's been sunny. It's been fair. But today, Mother Nature's like, and that's done.
1: You need a nap is what she said. <laughs> Go ahead and lay down. And I really feel like that, like my mood, the things, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to try to bring the energy today. Um, it's been, I don't know, it's been a busy week. The kids just returned to the schoolhouse and after over a year. So that has been um, transition to say the least. But my prayer is that they flourish because you know what? Mama likes two days a week of peace.
0: Now, are they are they back in school? Because I, one of my colleagues had an issue where they were planning to go back, but
1: they were sent home because of an outbreak. So are your kids actually in the school? They are in the school on Thursdays and Fridays. Um, there are, yeah, so just started this week. Um, a ton of protocols in place, which also made me nervous. Like, would they really enjoy it? What is it going to be like? But my daughter, she is living her best life. Um, kindergarten, excited. My son, on the other hand, I'm hoping that he comes around but it's been a transition. It's been over a year and just so different from what he's used to. Um but I was I was ready for them. <laughs>
0: I, hope they, sure. I hope they adapt. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Um this is going to be another interesting episode where we kind of weave in and out of topics, we've got some light stuff here at the top, and then we're going to get into some pretty heavy content. So I just wanted to offer that, uh, maybe that small trigger warning for Mm -hmm. our listeners at the top of this episode, but as a way of sliding in. So, you know, I'm not really into pop culture, and I know you know that, but the listeners may be less aware. And I did want to talk to you about this Lil Nas (laughs) drama (laughs) that's been percolating (laughs) the past couple of weeks. And I'm going to acknowledge right now that I know very little about Okay. A lot of this. Um, <laughs> so let me just start by saying I had several friends send me the mm. video and I don't follow this particular entertainer because you know I'm not into this world. And so everyone's like, Have you seen it? Have you seen it? And I was like, Have I what? seen <laughs>
1: what? Exactly. <laughs> so what is can you speak?
0: You, so I just want to put this at your feet and tell you what I need to know about this. <laughs>
1: So okay, let's first start with Do you know who Lil Nas X is? Old no Town ma'am. Road? No, ma'am. So, so he so it is so funny because his um, and I don't even know, I should have looked it up. I mean, number one on the charts for like 39 years, the little Old Town Road song, right? Um, he had a um a what's his name? Billy Ray Cyrus was on the remix. It was played at my son's little kindergarten first grade dances like 12 times in a row the kids live for Old Town Road and Lil Nas X right um just breaking breaking barriers Black country all of these things so um when Lil Nas X came out and was just very very clear very openly gay um I think that's when people were like what but my but my children love that Old Town Road song. He's a gay. Um, So I think that was,
0: was was it a thing? Was it one of those things where he was popular and people didn't know that he was gay and then he announced that he was and then their perceptions of him changed? Something something to that effect.
1: Okay. Well, yeah, we'll go with that. So then then the new song and new video comes out. And, okay, so... I will admit, I've only seen snippets of the video. I watched his, um, he did a video on Genius, I think, something that came up on my timeline where he was literally, so Genius, what they do is they break down the lyrics of a song where they give more like backstory and content. So in this new song, like he was kind of talking about like how the song came to be and what he was feeling, what he was going through at the time behind the scenes of the lyrics. Anyway. So the issue is. So let me tell you what I appreciate about the internet first. So it was a lot of folks up in arms because, you know, he's given the devil a lap dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I saw that part. <laughs> <laughs> it is all of those things. So, you know, the Christians are mad. Um, and again, he is, um, very open about his sexuality he is a openly gay rapper let's first talk about the fact that there aren't enough of those and to have such a um a popular career because there might be some but I just don't to me I statement I don't know of too many um openly black gay rappers that have reached the level of a Lil Nas X and he is um rapping I mean he is, his lyrics are about good gay sex (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) and so um so folks are like oh my gosh so the issue I think which is very clear because the internet is letting you know that people have is the fact that he's gay because let's be clear rappers have been heterosexual rappers we will say that cisgender (laughs) black men have been rapping about all of the the ass and the sex and the things that they've been putting down for decades and, and we're talking about
0: has. sir mix a lot and how that how his claim to fame is about <laughs> black women's
1: behinds <laughs> i mean come on now let's, this is absurd. let's talk about uncle luke and all, all of the things like it's it's always been um and and we'll say that black men and women right um female rappers have been talking about just fine no problem however little nice X is like okay well this is the sex that i am having and i'm putting it out there um and so one it was the imagery because again christian folks were like but the devil so what i like about the internet is that people are bringing out the receipts they said oh but y'all mm-hmm. were singing highway to hell y'all mm-hmm. were <laughs> there there's a whole show called lucifer where there's a woman who is mm-hmm. frankly having sex with the devil there is <laughs> I Mm -hmm. mean, but those, those are white people. Well, let's (laughs) let's be clear. Um, The South Park where the devil uh, was gay and in love with Saddam Hussein, I think. So people are like, oh, we are not going to talk about the issue that you have with Lil Nas X is that he is a, a black queer man and, and is rapping about such, and the images are of such, but they have always been around. Um yeah. And I think for me, that's the
0: part about it that I appreciate. Even though I don't, you know, I'm not I don't know his career that much or his 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 songs that well. I do appreciate that he has a point of view, he has a statement to make, and he doesn't mind being controversial, you know, as a queen of a certain age, as someone who loves Madonna and who can appreciate the fact that she did a whole lot of shit in the 80s just like to get a rise virgin. out of
1: people. Touch <laughs> for like, the very I first time. Like,
0: I feel like <laughs> Yeah, and I feel like to an extent that's what he's doing and I feel like that's okay. Like he has a point of view, he's sharing his point of view and I love it. I did catch one thing, and I know that you didn't catch it because you're not into football, but Trevor Lawrence, who is a quarterback for Clemson, who is expected to go number one in the upcoming draft later this month, he made a comment about how he was you know, so put off by the video and how, how could Nike do this shoe deal and blah, blah, blah. And of all the things he could have commented on, I thought it was an interesting cultural kind of like inflection point that he felt the need to chime in on this as opposed to all the other things that's happening in society some of which you've mentioned now he is a very religious person but he's also very white and i also feel like he he particularly wanted to come out and make sure he got on the record on this when he's been silent on well everything else and
1: i think that's what a lot of folks are doing like they are and also I think now Nike, I think there is like a lawsuit now because it wasn't Nike who developed the shoe, but like, I think now there's like a cease and assist and the shoe can't be sold because they were, whoever the company was that did it, like sold like, I don't know, like 6,000 shoes in 22 minutes, something ridiculous. I don't have all the the facts, but I think people are choosing to, um, I don't know to me make a big deal out of nothing but at the same time the reality is this is about so again if Lil Nas X were um identified as straight and was still having and and let's say the devil uh was a woman <laughs> okay I good point do, I do not think I do not think uh, we would even be having this conversation right now. Um, this double standard exists. And it is because he is young, black and queer, and living his full life. And now um, he has just, oh, he has been trolling the kids. It is delightful to see his post. I appreciate it. But one of the things that, you know, he um, is very clear about is because he when the song came out, like he had written a letter to like his 14-year-old self. Um, and that was one of his posts, like just about, you know, being young and in pain and caring for his young gay self, you know, his younger gay self. And I, I appreciate that. I go ahead, little Nas X. Am I going to watch the video all the way through? Probably not. But will I, um, play it a couple, two, three, six times so he can get his coin from Spotify? Sure will. Cause we played old town road into the ground in this here house. <laughs> and now it's number one for like however long so at the end of the day um people out there gonna be big mad but he is still collecting his things and bringing light to the fact that and he's being visible and and I think that's what we need more visibility
0: Speaking of visibility, that is a very good segue into our need to know this week, which is all about the upcoming Academy Awards. So for those of you who aren't in the know, the Oscars will be April 25th on ABC. And this week, what you need to know is how Bianca and I are feeling about the Academy Awards. And we might even get into some predictions, maybe, if we we know enough about the movies (laughs) to even make predictions. So Bianca, when I was growing up, When I tell you, I knew whenever award show was going to be on, I knew every host, every presenter, I could tell you who had won for the past 50 years, like it mattered. And the older I've gotten, the less I care about award shows. And I don't think I'm the only one because the ratings have been awful for all of them. I don't know if you know, the Grammy ratings were some of their worst ever. So I just wanted to start before we get into the Oscars this year, I want to talk about award shows in general.
1: Like, where do you... How are you feeling about award shows, just period? I don't. I was even before we started trying to think of like the last award show I watched all the way through. And I will say this, um, BT, because they did like this interesting virtual award show that they had where like all the, um, it was kind of all pre-recorded and presenters in different places and really theatric. And I actually watched that all the way through. And um and liked it. It was very because it was very different, right? But I don't I can't tell you when's the last time I watched the Grammys. One, because I am old and I can't tell you who none of these little babies, big babies, bootsy who's I just don't know. <laughs> um I, mm-hmm. I, I I don't and you I, know. I don't know. Him. I know you, I know. Bless your heart. Um, and so so one, I'm disconnected that way. That's part of the reason. And then with the Oscars. I used to try to see the films, like as many of the films as possible um, so that I could, you know, watch with knowledge. And even then, I can't think of the last time, damn, the year Slumdog Millionaire came out? I was... (laughs) My husband and I have seen like all of the movies that year. But you saw Black Panther.
0: That's been more recently, and I think it was nominated for something. Yes.
1: Yes. And so, um, and that's the thing too. Like I think I'm maybe even if I'm seeing the movies, I'm just not watching the award shows. I might come back later um, to see some clips on YouTube to, I'm following Essence on IG. So I want to see, you know, what Black royalty is wearing. (laughs) Um, But I don't know. I haven't been, I don't know. I haven't been feeling the award shows. My mother, on the other hand, she watches them still.
0: I love it. I love it. I think, you know, I think it's, I think it has something to do with COVID. I think people are just so, grateful to be alive. And I mean exactly that. Like, I feel like we've, we've all survived this, this pandemic. I think looking at rich, famous people in nice clothes, Pat themselves on the back. That just kind of lands differently nowadays right now in 2020 and 2021 than it did maybe five years ago. I think some things just fit better in good times. And then in bad times, I just feel like it's like, ooh, is this something we need to be leaning into? Because it just doesn't feel right, Mm -hmm. given what we're going through. That's my sense. What other reason would there be for the Grammys to see such a drop off? Like, even though you and I don't really follow it like that. There's no, I can't, that doesn't explain like the significant drop-off that they saw in their ratings and that the, um, the Golden Globe saw in their ratings. Like it's been across the board where people are just not watching this the way that they were watching it even two years ago. I will
1: say- um... Mm, very good point and and now as I was thinking about it I did uh, last year this year when was it I don't know I did watch the Emmys and and I usually don't watch the Emmys like I don't necessarily get into the Emmys like that but I watched the Emmys all the way through um from start to finish and damn now I can't think of who the host was but they were kind of it was kind of funny um but yeah, that was, and then because it's just very different, you know, people accepting the awards from their homes and everything. Let me just pre-recorded again COVID. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. It it. I think you're. I think you're right. Like I don't know if we're in the mood to celebrate with folks right now. <laughs> But then mm-hmm. at the same time, some people are like, well, let me have this moment to disconnect from the rest of the shitastic world that we're living in.
0: Escapism. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah.
0: So in the past couple of years, the Motion Picture Academy has really taken a lot of steps to revise its membership, to revise mm-hmm. its categories, and to revise the way that it's approaching the ceremony. Because Oscar So White mm-hmm. was a hashtag. Did I get it right? Mm-hmm. Yep. <clears throat> <laughs> and so, for those of you who don't, you know, pay attention to all of this, you know, stuff. I'm just going to use that word. Um, the Oscars had a really big public relations issue because most of their nominees were white, and it was really, I think, a product. Bianca is, is a, the membership was white, absolutely. You know, and the fact that because you you get you get the outcome comes from who's voting on these films. And so if the membership isn't diverse, then you can't really expect to have a diverse group of nominees. <laughs> and so they they changed that. And so the membership is becoming more diverse. And as a result, we're seeing more people of color, of all colors being nominated. And in the nominations that were released this year, Oscars are not so wide anymore because not only are people of color being um, recognized in the acting categories, but really in all branches, we've seen, an An uptick of um, people of color being recognized Mm -hmm. before we get into that I I struggle Bianca with okay so now the Oscars have they're they're changing their tune do do we need to care about this I remember a few weeks ago you you made a comment about the pageants
1: and I'm Mm -hmm. not I'm gonna butcher up who the what who who was it that made the quote Nikki Giovanni she said why um (laughs) Why are we asking people who hate us if we're pretty?
0: Okay, so now I'm <laughs> so now I thought about that when I was doing my homework for this week's episode. Why are we asking the the Motion Picture Academy to recognize our work, and are they doing it in a performative way? or mm. are they doing it in a way that truly recognizes our art? and I the jury's still out on that.
1: I would mm, are they tokenizing? <laughs> But we we also know too, like with um, folks who are nominated, with you know movies and directors, etc. Like that is a huge stamp on that resume. So if it's happening early in their career, then then more than likely you are going to continue to see. Um, a following, um, more movies, bigger budgets, etc. Like you are um, Oscar award winning. And we see the same thing with with music, right? Grammy nominated or etc. And so we know that there is a boost in that. So on the one hand, I think you can say, well, yeah, let's make sure more BIPOC folks are, are getting um, are getting that recognition, are getting that title in order to continue to advance the, the career and visibility, um, get the bags. <laughs> um, but I think I, I wanted to be, I wanted to be genuine and, and them getting the nominations because they're, um, you know, because of how hard they work and how amazing their, their films and their things are. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little little tricky. Have you looked at the nominees for
0: this for the ceremony? What jumped out to you? If you have,
1: so I did, and I am now going to because again, behind I am just behind on the thing. <laughs> have you I seen think,
0: any of these movies?
1: Right. Well, no, I'm I'm lying. I saw Judas and the Black Messiah and I absolutely love everyone raves about that film. Oh I need to my see gosh. It. Saw it, then started to listen to the podcast, which is very good. Um see it. So now so I told myself. As Issa Rae said, I'm rooting for everybody Black. So I told myself I was going to go back and look at the list and make sure I tried to watch and see the movies of Black folks. So I do um, uh, Ma Rainey. I has been on my Netflix list forever and I haven't watched it yet. So I'm going to see that. The Billie Holiday movie. I am going to see that um, was there anything else? the trial of chicago seven i think um but no i'm going to skim through the list and uh follow the black folks but i did <laughs> see so now that i know i have until the end of the month i will put that on the on the binge list but judas and the black messiah hands down i may oh amazing amazing movie
0: i actually almost watched my black bottom last night um, but I, when I saw it on Netflix, it was 11 o'clock and I was afraid I might fall asleep. So I might watch it tonight. Um, Viola Davis yeah. and Chaswick Boseman, both in the, the leads in that film, they apparently were amazing. Mm-hmm. Both have already won uh, SAG yes. awards for their performances and both are expected to be very much in contention for, for the Oscar. If Viola wins this Oscar, it will be her mm. second Academy Award. And it puts her in an extraordinarily rarefied field. I don't believe, I think only two or three people who are Black have multiple Oscars. So um, what comes to mind is that um, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on their names. Both of them are men um, that have double Oscars. What's the the guy from the 90s that everyone finds to being a sex Washington. Denzel Washington. <laughs> Denzel has two Oscars. Thank you. And then there's a more recent actor who's really good. I can see his face, but I can't call his name. He was in, um,
1: oh, shucks. shucks.
0: (laughs) I'm an old girl. I'm going to Google it because I can't remember. I can see his face. He's actually very handsome. Um, he has double Oscars and he actually won them fairly close together. Right. But as, as far as I can remember, I don't think there's a Black woman with more than one Oscar Mm-mm. because there's very few Black women have Oscars to begin with. Okay. But I don't think any of them have more than one.
1: Yeah, um, fair. And I think that's why I liked, I think that's why I've been enjoying the Emmys and now that I think about it, I've watched a few times because I think that that's where I have seen. Because every time that Sterling K. Brown, remember we talked about him last week, because you share birthdays, <laughs> um, wins any of the things, my heart flutters. So I think with the Emmys, I am, you know, more likely to see, um, yeah, folks that look like me represented and 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 scooping up, you know, the scooping up the stuff. However, Schitt's Creek definitely sweeped the Emmys last time and so even though I had feelings because there were a few categories where that um and insecure um shout out to amazing Issa Rae again we're in the same category Schitt's Creek was like oh I'm just let me just don't even open up the envelope it says but that show is hilarious as hell so I have to give it that um did you find who you were looking for I see your face googling and I forgot to ask you how your birthday was.
0: So I was I was multitasking. I was listening to you and looking it up. I swear to God. <laughs> uh, and I haven't found it yet. I'm finding all these other people who were nominated and didn't win. Because Will Smith has yet to win an Oscar, which, you know, maybe I should start my letter writing campaign because I'm really not pleased that he has yet to, to win an I don't Academy think, award. Can we talk about Angela Bassett? Shh. You know what? Oh, my Ooh. God. Now we're going to get into it she should have won for you know what and I don't even want to get into it Bianca because every time I think about it it makes me mad to think that they pass up a chance to give her an Oscar for what's love got to do with it that movie was monumental I feel like it changed the trajectory of her career she has been um
1: oh she is oh I... mm. go ahead <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, there's no more that needs to be said other than she should have won the damn award. She should have won a didn't. couple of two. And hands. I don't even remember who won. I don't remember who won in her place that
1: year. I would they have didn't to deserve that it. up. I don't have it in front it of me. It was probably, um, oh my gosh, Who's the Meryl Streep? I feel like anytime somebody loses their, I don't know, that? but I just feel like Meryl Streep is, <laughs> always has a speech just
0: ready because so she's getting um, all the things I found it. Ma Herlasha Ali, and I butchered his name. I'm sure he won. He's already, he already has two Oscars. He won for Mm -hmm. Moonlight and he won for Green Book. Ah. So um, he won in 2016 and 2018. So he is a, he's a relatively young actor. He already has two Oscars and to have them at such a young age, Mm -hmm. I think is, is pretty good. They both came in the supporting category, but who the hell cares? He's got two Oscars. He's amazing. And so I think if Viola wins, she'll become the first Black woman to have multiple Oscars. Of course, we know that Holly Berry has one. We know that Octavia Spencer has one. We know that um, Jennifer Hudson has one, but they all have just Mm one. And so Viola has an opportunity to to win, to be the first Black woman to win multiple. Mm. And that would be amazing. Do you remember that year Monique won and she wore that blue, beautiful blue dress?
1: I do. I do. I best. do for Precious. <clears throat> mhm mhm. Good times. Again, sporadically, but then yeah, like back then I felt like I was I was more into it than I am now. So I am going to recommit myself. <laughs> going to watch yeah, the and- movies and i am going to yeah i'm cuz i even saw online um where there was a list of like all of the different movies that are nominated and how you can watch them because some are on amazon right. some are hbo right. whatever so i yeah i'm going to go ahead and do the thing one last thing i think chadwick's
0: um chances of winning are very high because this is the Academy's final opportunity to honor him. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, so much of what they do is based on sentiment and politics. And oftentimes you're not winning because of your performance that you're in necessarily, but you're winning because they feel like you've been overlooked or they're winning because they want to make some sort of political statement. And I feel like like he's going to win because he has passed on. Do you remember the guy who was in Brokeback Mountain, um, Heath Ledger? He was in mm-hmm. the Batman movie yes. and he had passed away. And then, as soon as he passed away, I was like, he's going to win that Oscar because I think it was for Dark Knight, I should say, not for oh. Batman. And mm-hmm. of course, he did win. I think the Academy will be overwhelmed by sentiment. And I think that even if whether or not Chadwick deserves it or not is, you know, who am I to say? Because I haven't even seen these movies. But I think the fact that he passed on is going to significantly increase his likelihood of winning posthumously.
1: I am going to I have heard nothing but great things about Ma Rainey's Black Bottom so and I love um August Wilson um so I am going to I'm going to watch and cry a little bit a lot of bit um but yes so we're gonna yes so I think the next time I don't know maybe we should talk about this post um well can we talk about the fashions I feel I feel like next
0: (laughs) I want to talk about what they wore (laughs)
1: Of course
0: you do. <laughs> now It's not going to be, you know, it's going to be weird, Bianca, because I don't think they're doing like a gathering. I think it's going to be very similar to how the Grammys were. And the, I thought that was kind of weird. So I didn't watch the Grammys. I just saw the clips and yep. they were sitting at little tables, like in a garden. And I don't know. I don't know how I felt about that. I, actually, I do. I didn't like it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look how you collected yourself that quickly. Um, I mean, they did, they did that with the... Uh, <laughs> they did that with the Emmys too. Like people were at their house and then like you don't know who won and then like the doorbell rings and somebody oh, in the house. They do it in, in like, they do it in real time? Like they knock the door? Yes, oh, yes. and people that. in hazmat suits <laughs> were like, <laughs> it was very funny. Um, so it was, it was cute. But at the same time, you don't get that. Well, yeah, you did get like some of the look of the shock and the awe of it all, but it's different when you see them like with their peers and everybody's trying to walk through those tables to get to the stage. And it's just it's a, a struggle. different look and feel. And yeah. some people
0: dress up. Some people are, some people put in the effort and then mm-hmm. other people just go like they're sitting on their couch. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care for it. Like, I don't, I don't care for it. Like put on a gown, put on a tux, do a background. Like if you're going to do it, do it, but I don't want you to be sitting just in your lounge and you can too. afford
1: to do it let's also be clear you can you can and you can tell where so so again with the Emmys the the cast of Schitt's Creek I don't know where they were but it was beautiful um and then the whole cast was there they had like little tables they had like centerpieces like it was beautiful um and so yeah like do that they had on their masks and doing the things I feel like a couple folks have been vaccinated now y'all could huddle up
0: we'll see Absolutely. So once again, the Oscars are April twenty fifth on ABC, and we maybe, might, possibly, will do a review of the fashion at some point after that.
1: <laughs> indeed, indeed. So as we shift gears um, to all the feels, uh, these are the things that we are feeling about, and I almost just so much. So this the the Derek Chauvin trial is happening um is happening it is already making me mad (laughs) so um Mm -hmm. and I have so and I've been purposely not um like watching watching like you you know you can you can watch it live I have been catching like um clips from morning shows the news etc um I think the one thing I want to say up front that I'm seeing, and I and I already know folks are commenting on it, is that George Floyd is not on trial. And so they, because they are trying to, of course, make it out to be, um, I don't give a rat's ass what was in his system. You hear me? I That's don't r- because, care. Because it's <laughs> irrelevant. It's completely irrelevant. Completely what irrelevant. Happened? completely irrelevant. I do not, I do not care. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't care about, um, his history of substance use. I do not care what they claim they found in his vehicle. Mm -mm, Don't care. Um, so I think the pulmonary expert, uh, was on the stand yesterday and was very clear his cause of death was lack of oxygen. And the fact, and I heard this morning, um, that they were, that the doctor was explaining that um, he was even trying to get oxygen from his fingers, like as, as he was dying, um, he was talking about the way that he was doing his knuckles and his fingers. And that was kind of like the body's like last chance of trying to, because there was a man's knee on his neck. I don't even, I am baffled, like why this is even a thing, because if he is not found guilty for murder I have I have no words so I'm not watching it either Mm
0: -hmm. and I just decided to make a mental health decision at the beginning of it that I was not going to watch it for my own sanity because as I've discussed on this podcast previously I'm still feeling the trauma of having witnessed it when it happened the first time or when when Mr. Floyd Mm -hmm. was murdered um And so watching this trial and watching this man put forth a defense that for the indefensible, to me, it's just kind of re-traumatizing in a way that I just don't want to deal with this week. But I obviously know that it's going on. I'm obviously uh, invested in the outcome. I don't understand why you, I don't understand why, how, I, I, I do understand it. I guess what I'm trying to say is we saw a person, a human being murdered on camera. And that still is insufficient to put the murderer away. We still have to debate, uh, was it this cause or was it that cause or what the autopsy said? Like, why does the, I don't understand why any of that even comes into question. We all saw what literally. We saw a person that was completely and 100% Mm -hmm. alive have his life taken away from him. We don't need, I don't need to know all the rest of it. The video, they should just play the video and that's it. Play the video and go to jury. What is, what really is there left exactly. to even
1: say? Because what the spin is, um, it wasn't the knee on his neck. It was the drugs in his system, previous health conditions. Now you again, see now I'm, I can feel my giving up, up
0: because <laughs> that's just, that's just bullshit, Bianca. That is just absolute bullshit. Yep. Absolute bullshit. Um, what I wanted to ask you was every time I think about this, I don't think about just George Floyd. I have visions of mm-hmm. Eric Garner, of Rodney King, of everyone of, of that I know of, um, because I don't know all of, the, all of the folks that have had run-ins with the police. But it feels like it's, it's like I can play these movies in my mind over and over and over again. And <laughs> the outcome is always mm-hmm. the same, Bianca. The outcome is always the same. Somebody that's black or brown, beaten or mm-hmm. killed, sometimes mm-hmm. both. And then oftentimes, sometimes not, but oftentimes the perpetrators get, get away completely Absolutely. scot-free and they're not held accountable. And I just don't know how much more of this vicious cycle of this I can stomach.
1: Nope. It, it is, it's, it's exhausting. And I think that that's what makes this time even more frustrating because again, it was a, it was a murder that we all witnessed, right? So why, why is, why? But at the same time, we have seen numerous, um, numerous times where, where especially Black men, um, are murdered or or harmed by the police and get away with it. There is no accountability. And again, white men will go in places and shoot up all of the things and all of the people and never, and they are never seen as a threat. And therefore they are arrested. They are alive. They stand trials. They whatever the hell. I don't, I don't get it. Our black bodies are a threat. Mr. Floyd
0: had no weapon on him if i re- if i'm recalling correctly he never posed any physical threat to the police officer he didn't harm anyone else in any in any of this entire episode and to underscore the point you're making we've seen numerous examples in the last couple of months mm-hmm. where people where white men have killed other people have brandished weapons and have been and have been taken in alive but somehow George Floyd no weapon no threat to others or to police was killed over, I can't even get into how petty Mm -hmm. it was, of supposedly a counterfeit $20 bill. That is not not reason to call police to the scene Mm -hmm. A, and B, if that is why you were called, I don't understand how how that petty crime can escalate into anything other than here's your ticket for twenty dollars. Like I don't understand <laughs> yeah. like how we go from mm-hmm.
1: that to your knee on someone's neck. Eric Gardner was Eric Gardner was selling cigarettes. So it's just here we are. I, um, it's it's exhausting uh, even more so as, um, a mother, somebody with a black husband and children and, um, a person period, a black person. What do you and Cliff teach Noah at
0: his very young age about interacting with the police. So
1: Noah said to me once um and I don't even know where he got it from and he was he was younger. Um he's I don't even again I don't know but he was like something something cuz mommy doesn't like the police. And I was like, "Oh. <laughs> where did you? Uh-oh. <laughs> right." <laughs> so and it is um you know, how do you teach your children about officer friendly when officer friendly can kill them? you know, I, I, I don't know. We, um, we have not yet, even though this summer, like, so Noah has learned about like Black Lives Matter and we've been having those conversations about, um, he's been learning quite a bit this, this school year, even at home of just about social justice and activists, et cetera. So we've been talking about those things and it is, it's hard. Because on one hand, if we are hurt or in danger, I want my son to know he needs to call 911. He needs to call the police, right? Like, But at the same time, we we have seen if people, specifically Black men in mental health crises, police are called, they get killed. So it's hard when you tell you know, it's like, you tell your children, yes, call the police, but not for this reason, this reason, this reason, or this reason, because the outcome is, is often worse. And Mm -hmm. so I don't know, um, even now, like I struggle, even now I struggle with it. There is a fear. um, There is a fear that I have. I think there is a fear that And I I will generalize this, but I I know a lot of Black mothers, period, of that moment when you find out that you're having a boy. So there is a, a shift. I am automatically on a different level of Um, protection and defensive when it comes to my children period Um, you know I also have a stepson he's 25 always thinking about about him and his safety my husband etc I remember when Philando Castile was killed um, and I found that out that morning and I just hugged Cliff and I was just in tears because I'm like they he was driving in his car and the police shot him with a with with the baby girl in the back seat there is no care for for us, for our Black bodies, for our children, for our lives. And so, and the, the window between, it's shit proven, the window between, or the time between little boys being, Black boys being cute, little Black boys, and being a threat is like, mm, five years. Mm-hmm. Tamir Rice was 12 years old when the police killed mm-hmm. him. So, yes, a baby. yes, so as my son gets taller as he, you know, my daughter, as my daughter gets taller, they are automatically seen as a threat. Like, how do I, how do I protect them?
0: There's so many layers to it. I have one of my closest friends is a six foot five bigger black man. And he always tells me, he's like, I have to be completely aware (laughs) that I'm a big black man (laughs) and how people kind of, respond mm-hmm. to that. And it, it struck a chord with me, Bianca, because as you know, I'm not, you know, I'm five seven. I only weigh 160 pounds. I'm very effeminate. And so I'm always conscious of how that lands mm. with people versus how, if I were another presentation, it might mm-hmm. land with people. When I was in college, I must have been maybe 18 or 19 years old. I went to school in Lafayette, Louisiana. Very rural, very white, very conservative. I will never forget Bianca. I was in an Albertsons with some of my friends. We were shopping. I had picked up something. I can't remember what I had picked up. When we got to the checkout, I decided I didn't want that particular item and I put it back. I put it like, you know, in the little thing right by the checkout. There was a police officer standing at the checkout. Apparently he had been watching me. He came up to me in the checkout line. He's like, Oh, I saw you. You've been carrying that, and you have to buy it. The hell! And I was like, I was like, what? He's like, yes, you've been carrying that around. You have to buy it. And Bianca, even at that ripe mm. young age, I, I was. It, it came into my mind, what what choice am I gonna pick right here, mm-hmm. right now? I have the I have the means to buy this. I don't remember what it was, and so I can comply with him and get out of this store alive or I can push back and whatever happens, happens. Now this was in the nineties. So this was before a lot of what we've seen has happened. But even then I knew that my life was in Mm -hmm. danger. Like that moment could be pivotal Mm -hmm. for me. And in that moment, Bianca, I decided to comply. I decided to to buy that item because I felt like it wasn't worth it. The the five, 10 bucks, whatever it was in the grand scheme of things was not worth this white man flexing his power over me so when i ask you you know what y'all are teaching noah it's like that's a choice that he shouldn't have to make just like i shouldn't Mm -hmm. have to make but it could be the difference between walking out of albertson's alive or ending up with a neck with a with a with a knee on my neck over some fucking foolishness because of racism Mm -hmm. and it is so sad that we have to think about that and even now you know, I live in a neighborhood that's mostly white. I do not walk behind white women outside. Mm -hmm. I cross the street when she's coming. If it's at night, I make sure that I'm, that I'm far away because I don't want any kind of foolishness with nobody. And I'm just hyper aware that my existence, that my presence Mm -hmm. makes other people feel uncomfortable. And so right, wrong or indifferent, I try to mitigate that because because I want to be alive. Literally. And
1: <laughs> I feel like I, that's the only choice I have. The, you know, well, one, did you read Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates? Lo- uh, it's not recently.
0: Yes. Okay. But I need to reread
1: it. So reread it one. And if you have HBO, <laughs> they, um, it's on, oh, and it was so beautifully done. Um, I, ugh watch the I guess the film adaptation, it was amazing. Check it out. Um but already preparing myself to have conversations with Noah like if we're in the store, keep your hands out of your pockets, make sure that they're places where people can see them. You know, um I already starting to think like when he starts driving how you know making sure a driver's license and <laughs> registrations and things are on the dashboard and you know like it's it's infuriating but it it is literally life and death and and like you were saying like it was the 90s I think I think these things have always been happening but one um in terms of of, of the murder of specifically black people by the police but we have the social media we have the videos we have the body cams we have the things that well the body cams that they are not turning off (laughs) or or erasing etc um we have all of um we are getting more immediate um visuals and um documentation of what's going on but what's been happening forever so you know they chill Not today, Isaiah. You raise, we raising up each other's pressure on today. Really? Literally, all the feels.
0: I did want to talk a little bit about the George Floyd Justice, Justice in Policing Act, both of 2019 and 2021. So, and I think this is important because I think when we think about what can we do about this, you know, you and I are not in Minnesota. We're not on that jury. And a lot of times people feel powerless when things like this happen. But both in the last Congress and in this one, um, we do have some folks who are trying to make some reforms to policing as a result of this. Mm -hmm. So Representative Karen Bass, who is a Democrat of California, she introduced Mm -hmm. this act in both the last Congress and in this one. And in the last Congress, Senator Cory Booker of New Jersey introduced it into the Senate. It has not been introduced into the Senate in this current Congress. And so I'm going to put this um, link into um, our social media feeds this week. But essentially, This policing um, reform act, which is named after George Floyd, would make it federally illegal to um To do some of the things that were done to him, for example, uh, putting using certain uh, holes and certain maneuvers that cut off the passageway uh, so that he can't breathe, engaging mm-hmm. with um, civilians at all for for crimes that are quite petty when they yes. don't have a weapon or when they're not threatening themselves or others. and so mm-hmm. I think it's important that you know you, you can't make a law to really address racism because that's more of a of a heart and mind thing but a lot of this trial for Derek Chauvin has revolved his defense has revolved around well this was his training and these types of things were allowed and there Mm -hmm. seems to have been some I don't know if this is just you know his defense making this up but it doesn't seem like people are super super clear that the actions that he took were definitely out of bounds it feels like it feels ambiguous. Mm -hmm. And so I think what these federal laws could do is make that unambiguous and make it universal across all 50 states, that certain things in policing are are not allowed. And so you can't use them as a defense. If you if you step over the line, you can't say, Oh, that's how I was trained. No, 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 we're super clear that that's illegal to do. So -hmm. if you were trained that way, that that's poor training. And so whoever trained you to do that can be held responsible. And so Um, Again, the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act, it's in the current Congress, introduced by Karen Bass of California. Folks need to read that. And if they support it, they need to encourage their representatives to sign on as a co-sponsor because we're going to need every bit of support, particularly in the Senate, if that that bill is going to become law. Come on, actions.
1: I'm here for it. I am. You know, I am.
0: I am here for it. I think. I think, Bianca, that's the least we can do. Yes, yeah, <laughs> that's hello. the least we can do. George <laughs> Floyd gave his life, mm-hmm. uh, and the least that I can do is know about this bill that's named after him, and and write a letter to my congressperson to say support this. I mean, that will take me twenty minutes to do. I mean, I think that's the that's the bare minimum, in my opinion.
1: Absolutely, I like it. All of the feels. Um, yes. Moving on to more things to do. We're going to work on some of these smoother transitions (laughs) because we go from light heavy, but we're going to, we're going to lighten it up once again. We did this the last time with our, um, gun control conversation, but
0: (laughs) I feel like, well, actually, if we can, if we can break down the fourth wall, I think you, your transitions are smoother than mine. So when, when you put together the episode, it's a lot smoother, but when I do it, it's very zigzag. It's like, Okay. So let's talk about angels and then let's talk about devils and <laughs> it's just back and forth, but we're going to work on that. We're going to well, yeah. work on it because now we're doing a complete 180.
1: <laughs> Always. This this is our way and you're welcome. <laughs> Thanks for listening. So Bianca, you want to introduce the next
0: segment or you want, you want to go ahead. This is you. This is, hey, it this was is me. You. I wasn't sure. Cause you was, you kind of leaned into it. I know, right? Go ahead. Okay. So for God to do for this week, we are focusing on visiting Washington, D.C., which is where I live, and Bianca lives nearby. But we do a lot of work and play in D.C. And the reason we want to talk about this is because this is D.C.'s time of year. If you've never been to D.C., I would say I statement that um, early spring is the time to come. It's when the cherry blossoms are in bloom. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, that's a huge deal. It it usually draws quite a bit of people because the blossoms are so beautiful. You can go down to the Tidal Basin and see them and really in a lot of other places in DC too. So it's it's a combination of the weather, the flowers, um, just the, it's a perfect time to be in DC. So we wanted to share with you some times to visit and sometimes not to visit. Bianca, I wanted to start with the cherry blossoms. Do you how do you feel about them? Do you feel like they're overrated? Do you go every year? What is your affinity, if you have any, for cherry blossoms?
1: So I this is so funny that we're even yeah, even having this conversation to me because I have been in this area now, next year will be 20 years. Please this don't is, say that you've never you been. Never am never been down to them near blossoms (laughs) what is that about Bianca you I don't know okay so maybe I do know one I don't love crowds I am very selective in my crowd in levels of engagement right I have a little anxiety around them I am I I pick and choose I used to not care as much. But again, I'm getting old. Things are different. I'm looking for exits. Can't find them because we're outside. And there's a lot of people. Um, so I have never really like gone down to the tidal basins. And the, I know there's a parade and all of that. My neighbor in the house right across the street has cherry blossoms um, in their yard. I look out the window. I'm good. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, but I'm surprised you haven't taken no and grace to the parade because they would love it. Again, no. And then I'm, I'm really weird about crowds and the kids I just I this is me if any if there are any listeners out there who can help me with my um it's a, a phrase that Charlemagne the God uh quoted parental paranoia <laughs> I have it because I'm like what if we're in a crowd and somebody and I turn my back and hit somebody take my baby away like
0: <laughs> I mean I mean I, I get that because kids definitely have that fear if you've ever if, I mean, I can remember being lost in the grocery store Me? and the grocery store is not even that big. My mother's on the <laughs> next aisle over, but I feel like, oh my God, I'm lost forever.
1: <laughs> so I say that to say, I know they're beautiful. I see them. There's actually a few. Also, the way our allergies are set up, even when the tree out across the street blooms, I am, my nasal passages shooketh, okay? So, so I feel like going down there with a whole lot of them, again, tonight. So, so obviously
0: you wouldn't recommend... You wouldn't recommend people come for Cherry Blossoms. If you were going to recommend a time for people to visit DC, what season or what event do you think is worth their time and their buck?
1: I would say this spring, I would say this, this particular time is great. The other thing about the Cherry Blossoms too, is like, you know, when do they peak? If it's a little bit too cold, then they're all dead. And it's just like <laughs> figuring out that timing is rough. Okay. Okay. But I think this, I think between March and late May, early June, I would say is, I would say is a good time because it is right before all of the elementary school kids are coming for their field trips um, and just clogging up the streets, the tourists (laughs) tourists come in the bus loads, um, and just kind of take over. So I think before that summer peak family travel time, I think that is the best time to come. Um, yeah, I would probably, I would probably say, I'd probably say spring and then maybe, um, again after labor day i say skip june through september don't come here in the the summertime because you are going to be with one in a million it's just mess but with covid and all of the things being closed and folks not being able to get into the museums and stuff i don't know i'm sure the dc tourism has has taken a bit of a dive
0: so I was giving you a hard time about the Blossoms. I don't go every year. As a matter of fact, and I think the 15 years I've lived here, I've gone maybe two or three times, but I have gone. And so I think, Bianca, you need <laughs> you to- You said that's so shady, but experience. I have gone. <laughs> but I have gone. And so you need to get out into your community and be a part of the Blossoms, put a little outfit together. And you would, it's, oh my God, you could sell your merchandise at the Cherry Blossom Festival, get you one of those little permits. I could. You could move a lot of merchandise at that festival, I bet.
1: have no doubts that is that is true I you know what let me tell you what happens when you have children (laughs) again I statement (laughs) I statement because I think about how easy it was for me without a doubt to be able to hop on the train and with the husband and go do things. We used to love to go to baseball games. We used to just hang out, like just go down the stadium and just live. Now it's about coordinating these here kids. Are we taking them? Are we not? Are we driving? Is there parking? The kids have not been to the zoo. (laughs) Since wait, since Noah was two and Grace was literally in utero, <laughs> they haven't asked to go. I'm surprised. Again, I took my son does not like outside. They have oh you, you said they that. they yeah. have been like they've been on school field trips. So let me not say that they haven't been with me. <laughs> but um, and we'll probably avoid it for the summer. The summer is just oof, I'm gonna. We look for things, I think we probably look for more things outside of DC in the summer than than within the district.
0: I always tell people to avoid coming to DC in the summer because it's it's got a lot of field trips, mm-hmm. um, and it's got a lot of protests. Even though we do protests all year, all round. year round, <laughs> and so this, you really can't avoid those. Um, and I also, Bianca, you know, we this is not a podcast where we like to kind of um, poo-poo on people, but I did want to get your list of things that are maybe overrated about the District of Columbia, or things that are kind of known for that we that we don't put our stamp of approval on. And I have one that I have always had, and I'm going to just say it. And I don't know how you feel about it because we didn't discuss this in the production meeting. Um, so <laughs> how do I say, I'm, and I want to say this in a way that doesn't like, so the chili. Well, um, Ben's Chili Bowl. Ben's Chili Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad even saying this because I'm don't. I'm. I don't, I'm really not trying to take bread off someone's plate. But Ben's Chili Bowl is well-known in DC and everyone well raves about it celebrities go there like yes. it's, it's like it's this thing Former it's an president. institution <laughs> Bianca when I tell you I find that chili to be hot mess <laughs> I mean who would like have you ha- I know you've had it can you explain I- it to me because I don't understand how that chili became the thing because it really is not very good I want people to support Ben Bowl because it's black owned. See, and I knew you were gonna say <laughs> you that. You know, gonna why. root for everything black. That's How why ever. I didn't even want to get into this. But it really is. I, I have to admit, I don't. But I, I don't was care gonna say,
1: it. I don't care for it either. <laughs> but I don't want to take nothing out their bag. So,
0: <laughs> so we're gonna tell people to spend their money on something that we ourselves don't care
1: for. I mean, that's that, that mean terrible? That. But I'm. <laughs> But people I, well, go I, to Wendy's and eat they chili.
0: <laughs> which is a better chili in my estimation. So what do you, but what do you think that's about Bianca? I mean, I, I haven't been able to figure out how it became so popular because the product, now I, the hot dogs are good, but they're just hot dogs. They're just have smokes.
1: You know, I don't, I think because it's a, it's a landmark and that's what we should, that's what I, I should have done is a little bit more research into, to Ben's. Like I know, again, it is a historical landmark. It's roots, um, in this, in this sit in the city, in the community, um, they have, uh, Benz upstairs, I think is what it's called, which is like their bar situation. Um, so high five for them, but also let's, let's just We have to give them their flowers for um, sustainability and longevity because there are plenty of of restaurants and things that have come and gone um, whose food might have even been better, (laughs) but they were absolutely better. (laughs) They have withstood the test of time. So, but I think it's they celebrities, folks come and they're like, "Oh, you have to." It's it's like when people go to New York and they're like, you have to go to the Statue of Liberty. No, you don't. But <laughs> <laughs> and I never think of the Statue of Liberty until I was like 14. I was born in Brooklyn. <laughs> so um, I think it's just one of those, one of those things. But I'm, I would be curious to know. So if anybody wants to slide in our inbox or email and mention for DC natives, what do they think? of Ben's Chili Bowl because I think every like major city may have things that are more for the tourists than they are for the people I'm gonna ask my husband if he likes Ben's we I I don't know he may
0: and are there are there other places in DC that are kind of famous that you really don't that you wouldn't highly recommend because I think the cupcakes in Georgetown are just cupcakes and I don't I still don't understand like why that's a thing but whatever some people like those they they live and I'm like y'all these are just okay
1: I have had better
0: (laughs) yeah much better but anyway I was just wondering did anything come to mind for you
1: not anything that I can think of off the top of my head I think there are um, I think they're just hidden gems, right? Like just food that is off the beaten path that um, is, is far more delicious or experiences that are really great. One of my favorite, um, and they're gone now, but one of my favorite Chinese restaurants used to be Miwa, um, 21st and M. When I tell you, I can think of so many um, times I had been there. And the story behind that, my mother and I had come here. I was in high school and we came for a college tour. My mother loves Chinese food. And we were staying at the hotel right across the street. And I'm pretty sure we ate at least four meals, (laughs) Chinese at Miwa. And then after that, like I had a graduation dinner there. I took a few booze there. Um, I love their food and I think they're closed now. And they had been around forever. That was another one of those places where you go in and there are pictures of former presidents and or news folks or, um, and there were people of Asian descent in there eating the food as well, which leads me to believe that the food was good.
0: Yes. Now I always said it was Mewa. Am I mispronouncing it or are you mispronouncing it? I feel like it's
1: you, but I'm going to say Miwa. Is it Miwa? Have I, I been saying May-well. it wrong this whole time?
0: I don't know. One of us, oh, us is definitely was right delicious. and one of us definitely wrong, but I always said Miwa. And, <laughs> and so, yes, I know exactly the spot. And you know, you know how I am like pronouncing things. I often butcher them. So it is quite possible that you're correct on this one. But yeah, I know exactly the spot.
1: So good. Rasika's West End is one of my favorite Indian restaurant, expensive and bougie, but delicious, but I'm sure, but again, I'm sure that there are others that are better. So I think it's about finding, yeah, just off the beaten path. DC is is a tourist paradise because of all of the things that are here. But at the same time, I just, I don't know. I've been here for a long time. Um, I love the museums and all of that, but I'm just, you know, I don't know. Leave it, leave it to the the eighth grade field trips. <laughs> oh, but definitely come for. I used to uh, DC Black Pride. Are we going to talk about that or no? Okay, go ahead. Well, I, know how you feel I, about I the left them off of
0: this arc because I feel like we can do it during Pride season. But I agree, this is true. the Pride in DC is off the chain. So when we get to June, mm-hmm. we can do a whole episode around our feels about about DC Pride. Yes. And DC Black Pride in particular, which are two yes. separate things. Actually, I want to talk about why that is and why that might be problematic, but we can get to that when Pride but why season it's all so rolls great. <laughs> I have some I have some feelings, Bianca, about prides for subgroups. But again, I don't want to mm. see now we'll we're get having there. the conversation. We'll get no, no, we no, we're gonna there. hold it. Stay tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned. Speaking of staying tuned. Bianca and I have some special guests lined up in the next few weeks, and I'm Don't not going to reveal who they no. are. No, I'm Mm-mm. not going to give names. Okay. okay, names. I know how to do a <laughs> teaser.
1: Hello, <laughs> hello.
0: But you will want to stay tuned because over the next month or so, there's going to be some really special people joining us here on this podcast. So make sure you do that. And I'm going to let Bianca do our plugs for the week.
1: Wait, but before we get into plugs, look at you moving all fast. What are your- Did I take us too fast? (laughs) Yes, slow down. (laughs) Real quick. What are your DC favorites and and what you would recommend for the folks who are planning to visit these here nation's capital?
0: Yes. And let me just, in my defense, I always monitor the clock as we're doing an episode and we are running well into the 60, 65, (laughs) 70 minutes. You're welcome. we We can edit this down at some point. So the question is, what would I recommend? My favorite uh, things in DC. So I love almost all the museums. I think all the Smithsonian's are really Smithsonian's. All the Smithsonian museums Beautiful. are really mm-hmm. good. The African American History Museum. Mm. If you've never gone, it takes you quite a bit of time to work your way through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously it's amazing, I love it. Um, I love to spend some time at the Lincoln uh, Memorial. I think it's awesome. I love to spend a lot of time down on the mall, just kind of meandering, meandering and walking around. And I'm a, I'm a political person, so I love those tours that you can do of Congress. Uh, they don't do the White House tours anymore, but that sort of stuff is kind of right up my alley. And I don't even know if they're doing the tours of Congress anymore since we've had so much you know, strife Oof. down there. True, but those are some of my some of my favorite things that I like to do. Some of the things that I find a little bit overrated. I don't really like the Washington Monument. I've never really thought that that was Mm-mm. that big of a thing. Like it's just whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that's not really been my bag. And um, the one thing I haven't done that I want to do is go over to Arlington Cemetery because supposedly that can be very moving. But you know, it's a cemetery, so it's like I don't know how engaging that can be, but again, I haven't
1: been. I, again, eighth grade field trip. (laughs) It's when I, it's when I went to Arlington Cemetery. I don't love the Washington Memorial thing. It's very phallic. Um, (laughs)
0: And you would think that I would enjoy that, but I really don't care for it.
1: Thank you for sharing, friend. Um, On that note, um, again, be sure, as we always say, but like we say it because we really do want people to do it. um, Follow us on the things, the Twitters, the Instagrams, at Ward and Webster. Um, Slide into the inbox. Tell us what you want us to know, feel, and do. We want to hear from the folks. Um, Be sure to listen to the new episodes every Saturday um tell your friend about it your auntie your cousin your mail carrier um your baby zeti whoever people need to listen i just i i get a kiki out of this so i really feel like people need to uh check in to warden webster um and also this month our warden-webster book club book is all boys aren't blue by george m johnson so we definitely want people to read it check it out we will be having our discussion and review at the end of april and also announcing the may book club books so stay tuned for all of that um Can I tell you
0: how excited I was when one of our listeners sent me a picture of the book he had bought to join the April Book Club. I was like, oh my God. So there are people reading the book with us.
1: (laughs) Thank God. but that is yeah because I think it just makes for great discussion so yes please if you are reading yes send us the pictures we want to see you know you perched with the book in hand on the lanai now Um, you see
0: you couldn't do that because you don't have a physical copy of the book Bianca how would you perch with your with your eye with your headphones? yes (laughs)
1: Because uh, like I say, you know, I do not read, but I can hear George M. Johnson's uh, voice in my headset narrating the things. And I appreciate it. It makes me feel like I'm in VIP. On that note, everyone, thanks for listening. I'm Bianca Ward.
0: I'm Isaiah Webster. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.
1: Bye.